right. Let's see what we got here. Sound familiar? Welcome to the December 31st, 2023 edition of the Adventures in Odyssey Scoopcast. Your source for the latest in Adventures in Odyssey reviews, always in podcast form. For those who have time to wait around for a whole year. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Matlock. I'm your host, Timmy Bays. And I'm your host, Michael LaFaver. Let's get started. (laughs) Hey, uh, we're back after a whole year of not reviewing Odyssey going back to review odyssey um hi hi guys welcome back to the scoop hello it's, it's nice to nice to it's have only you been here. a year Whoa, yeah wow. what, have, have you, got, you guys good you, you any any uh, updates y'all y'all still good i have so stuff? many updates I mean, it would be its own podcast <laughs> i would love to hear those updates timmy how are you doing over there i'm i have some updates too yeah it's, it's been a year it's I, been good it, it's, it has been a year i also have plenty of updates you know it's, it's funny because the last time we recorded was February 2022, so it's been like a year and eight months for us it's, since we've it's recorded. It's been like two years. Whoa. Yeah, no wonder, no wonder I forgot how to say this thing. I'm, I'm making, <laughs> I'm making things right, and we're back to recording the Scoopcast. So why don't we jump into talking about the episode today? Let's do it. Let's do it. Alrighty, this is episode 91 of the Scoopcast, edition 91. And I think it's episode one of those two. We're reviewing episode 925, Triple Decker Sunday by Marshall Younger. Sound design by Nathan Jones and music by John Campbell. Can I go ahead and say off the top, this is one of the best episodes of all time? You may. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Think, I think this is one of the best episodes of all time. What do you guys think? Definitely. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I think this episode definitely, like, as far as episodes just with Olivia go, like if I if I just look at this as okay, how does this compare to other episodes where I've heard Olivia? There are few that I can think of where I've listened to Olivia deal with some issue and it wasn't something that just didn't really matter to me. Like I think back to episodes where uh, what was the episode? Like a lot of the episodes, like in album fifty one and onwards. Sure, fifty one like, is overcommitting herself and stuff. Yeah, she she just sort of seems like a character that is there to be kind of a bratty older sister, <laughs> and you know, like especially in album fifty one with like clutter. All she does in that episode is like yell at Camilla for taking her stuff, and it doesn't really seem like anyone's dealing with actual heartfelt you know, heart issues that they, they need to sort out and that they're conflicted over. It's just kids fighting, which isn't fun. And well, we can even go back like to recent episode- history, like the good in people with yeah. her like, oh, great, you didn't steal money. Great. We're so proud of you for not doing that. That's pretty surface level. Right. I think about it. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's like very, I just didn't like the character of Olivia previously because it was very rare that I actually saw her struggling with something herself. Like, that's a that's what I would say is a tenant of a good episode of Odyssey with a kid dealing with some moral dilemma, is that, you know, thinking back to, like, Jimmy Barkley in The Prodigal Jimmy, he goes out and he does something because he wants to, and we might initially be like, oh, what a what a terrible kid. How how could he be doing this? That's bad. But then he learns his lesson, and he's able to verbalize it to Mr. Whitaker, be like, hey, I really messed up, and I don't know what to do now. And it's like, okay, that's compelling. 
And it's pretty rare that I've had an episode where Olivia's like, I don't know what to do. And the actress just pulls it off so well. She does. Some, it, it, it makes mm. me sad because it's like she's the, the actress has had this potential all this time and has just <laughs> and been, she's fed been these doing terrible and wearing glasses and pretending to be multiple ethnicities for people and that's her main source of conflict right she's just she's just been quirky olivia up to this point you know <laughs> yeah but then you contrast that with scenes in this one where she's talking to leonid and we'll get into him which crazy crazy story structure on how he's handled but anyway besides the point her acting at the end of the second scene where they're going through philosophy and stuff you're the one who researched me i know so why did you do it because something is wrong with me her acting is so amazing you can tell it's olivia it's very clearly her but the nuances in her voice and the depth of emotion that she's showing the extremes of emotion that she shows in this episode between just her energy for talking with Leonid and engaging in conversation like kind of being annoyed and then getting to that low low point and then bursting out at Zoe at the end of the episode and then her kind of indignation leading to the final scene of the episode it's very dynamic in a way that I praise the directing so highly from Marshall for being willing to push Kelly Stables to this this level I'm so happy that like she was capable of it and that it was something that was good for this episode I agree yeah, absolutely. Honestly, it's it seems like Olivia has been one of those. Odyssey has lots of those goody two shoes characters. Uh, Lucy Cunningham Schultz, for one, who like always does the right thing and never gets in trouble and everything. And if it is, it's something pretty mild. And I think it was genius of them to take someone like that and have her be the one to go back and question everything she's believed in the past, which yeah. really helps the kids who grew up in this with the same sort of thing. Odyssey really appeals to those goody two shoes kids, um, for lack of a better word. The kids who grow up and try to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, I feel called you know, out. It, it's... <laughs> right. I know, me too. Um, but so to have someone like that start questioning things and to have it, one, be okay to question it and two, uh, move forward on a path through questioning it, mm-hmm. I think is super helpful and will be helpful for the kids listening to it yeah not only that it's incredible respect for the source material even though this is marshall's story like he's been a part of odyssey for a long time he's known about olivia for a long time bringing this specific character who hasn't had a lot of that development like you were talking about ryan to actually bring her through this and give this sort of supposed to be major character respect in this way and have her be the one who's struggling Zoe, who's been introduced, who was introduced like five years after Olivia and is now a pretty important supporting character in a lot of episodes, to have her be coming alongside, to have Wilson in this episode be the one who's, I don't know how he's handling this. I have questions about that and maybe we can jump there next, but to have this core cast of characters combined with Leonid, it's a very compelling and concise story. Who do we have in this episode? We have Zoe, Olivia, Leonid, Wilson and that's it apart from the dude at the end of the episode right yeah very important character yeah what the the jt's uh, (laughs) jt's ice cream shop employee number one Ooh, the deluxe (laughs) dude i i have written down in my notes it sounds like a bar that she's walking into. i love that down too 
<laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't catch that. That's really funny. <laughs> it's like you got the, like the pumping music in the background, and then she's like, "I'll have the triple decker ice cream sundae." It's like, no, you're gonna get wasted. <laughs> While we're on that topic, like just as a, a short aside that I wrote down when I was listening to that scene in particular, when she goes into the shop, I, I the just the fact that it's not wit's end is what I think makes that scene. Like it's a very short scene where she goes in. The guy says, "Oh, what do you want?" And she says what she wants and then, like, has a brief exchange with Leonid. Where he goes, great choice. Yeah, and that's just the end of the episode. And, like, Boom. aside, if you were just looking at the text for that uh, for that scene, it would have no meaning. But right. when you take it right. in the context of the episode and even just the context of broader Odyssey, just the fact that she's not at Wit's End and we've never heard of ice cream shops other than Wit's End in Odyssey, <gasps> which just makes this like we wrong. It's, it's just like, so wrong. Dairy, isn't it Dairy World or something like that? It's it's something that Connie okay. mentions in yeah, the one with okay, the Okay, we've never modem. been in an ice cream shop <laughs> other than Wit's End. Bligard's Castle? I don't think they served ice cream. It was like snacks. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So. We've never been in a shop other than Wits End, and also the fact that she's here and not Wits End ordering this when we already established that Wits End yeah. has a deluxe like ice cream sundae. Right. And I mean, apparently Wooten can get something that's as tall as his head or taller than him. Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> yes. worth talking about because yeah. it's there's we the episode establishes there's nothing wrong with eating ice cream. Like Wilson says, that looks great. I want right. some. Zoe eats it, but. It's specifically Olivia says at the beginning at the beginning of the episode. I've been trying to watch like what I eat, not eat junk food, which I don't think that's been established before. So I wish that could have been foreshadowed a little bit better. But at least in the context of this episode, the story setup is fine. You've got the beginning where she yeah. says it, the middle where Leonid says, "What's really going to happen? Nothing's going to happen," and then the end where she does it. And what's super interesting is you can see Leonid's lies if you just look at the bigger picture. He distracts. Mm-hmm. He's this voice in Olivia's head, kind of her imaginary friend at this point because she's been putting a lot of research into thinking about him and to writing about him. But the way that he argues is like flawed logically on multiple levels because Olivia will bring up an argument like he's like God created the mountains and the oceans and I've seen his works. Oh, that's so great. So if he's so powerful, why didn't he move that tree? Which first off, that's mm-hmm. a great line and I want to come back to that. But just going to yes. the, the Sunday line, Olivia says outright, I'm trying to watch what I eat, not eat too much junk food. And then in the middle, Leonid brings up the Bible, tells like talks about gluttony, but what's really going to happen if you eat the Sunday? Nothing. Well, we already established it's because she's watching junk food. It's not a, a matter of gluttony necessarily. But Olivia, in being distracted and wanting to kind of spit in the face of what she's been trained to, what she's been like, yeah, what she's been trained to, to do this whole time, and that's part of what Leonid's case is, is at the end of the episode, when she goes back on that, she thinks that she's sticking it to Christianity and sticking it to religion, hmm. but she's really going against just a common sense principle that she had, that she stated that she had. So I, I thought that was interesting how the effects of her sort of rebellion here go beyond just her questioning of Christianity and like are actually, can actually start to affect her. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I, I didn't initially assess it that way because sort of the broader context of that conversation with Leonid he's talking about how just in general Christianity can be used to you know he's like making the argument that it's used to control the masses and Mm -hmm. making that argument from a broader point of hey all the beliefs and all the things that you think are moral and good 
are things that people have told you based on Christianity, which they may be just trying to control you. And the thing, the thought that I came out of the episode from, I was, I was actually gonna, like, I wrote down that I think Leonid Stepanov is like the best antagonist Odyssey has ever had. Yes. Mm-hmm. I regard Leonid Stepanov to be just Olivia's inner thoughts challenging her as she reads these ideas from Leonid Stepanov, which the thing that I like about that villain is that I'll put it in contrast to other villains. So we've got, you know, bad guys from Novacom and Blackguard Sagas, okay? They're great, but they aren't spiritually opposed as, as uh, spiritually opposed to the protagonists. They're antagonize they're antagonists because of the things that are going on in the world that they want to achieve, you know, like, oh, I want money and power. You're right. That doesn't mean that they really care about the about the protagonists being Christians. Well, Blackguard's spirituality comes out at the very end, but it doesn't really Yeah, it's kind of shoehorned in there at the end, but it's like, it's not like Blackguard comes along and he's like, hey, I have problems with the things that you believe as a Christian, and I'm going to be antagonistic towards that in a challenging way. He just comes along and says, hey, I want to take the worldly possessions you have called applesauce i want i want to have those and so it's like okay well we're we're dealing with a materialistic conflict not a spiritual conflict the, the main characters can go through like a spiritual conflict as they figure out how to respond but ultimately they're not spiritually opposed to the antagonist that's where i think that this is really great is that leonid step uh, leonid stepanov Stepanov is spiritually no it's stepanov no you look it up. Yeah, okay, I'll look it up. AIO Wiki, is that a reliable source? Uh, no, look up the actual person. Uh, there is no actual person named Leonid Sepinov, so get wrecked. He's not an actual person. <laughs> really? <laughs> really. Yeah, Marcel really? said he, he, made him, he made him up so they that kids They made him up because like, they didn't want kids to, to research him. Uh, wrong beliefs. Oh, interesting. I, I looked it up and I found an actual, I thought I found an actual name from Moscow that was Stepanov. Okay, okay. Here, I thought I was crazy because I was like, I don't remember a T when they pronounced it, but okay. They're not spiritually opposed to the protagonist, but Sepinov is, but he comes by it honestly. Like, if if Sepinov actually existed, he's some philosopher that came to his conclusions and then argued them and wasn't necessarily like, oh, yes, I hate Christians and I'm out to just mess with them, right? He He doesn't know what is true. He just knows what he believes based on his own reasoning. And so when he's talking to Olivia and saying, hey, why didn't God move that tree? That's an honest question that actually reflects the viewpoint of this fake philosopher. It's as much a doubt of his as it is of Olivia's. Exactly. And so that makes that make like that's what makes a compelling villain is not muhaha i'm wringing my fingers and trying to do something that's antagonistic even though i don't really have clear motives like that's the main issue i kind of have with like blackard is that okay he wants applesauce why does he want applesauce to control a bioweapon to control the world right that's what we eventually find out but then even when you go even deeper it seems like he wants it because it gets him money like he he doesn't actually want to control it like we hear lines where he's telling over the phone he's like ah yes line up as many buyers as possible i'm i'm very close so he doesn't actually care about applesauce he just cares about selling applesauce to some uh 
like some big buyer well, well see that's here, here the thing is ryan what. if you read phil waller's blagger chronicles book series you would know that he actually wanted this really never mind that's totally the genius of someone like like leonid who unlike blackguard and novacom and all these you know the other villains that we have in odyssey this guy has no ulterior motives because he's dead there's nothing he can ever get like uh, the best villain we ever got, and he's dead. He, uh, no. no, no, no. He's the best villain because he actually stays dead because he is dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He started yeah, but, off I mean, dead. You know, that was he, already a plus. You know, but and and that 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 kind of makes it so genius because he's not after the money. He's not after whatever. He's really a figment of Olivia's imagination, and seems like there might be a little more to him than just that. But there's no ulterior motives. He's literally just trying to get Olivia to go in a different direction. That's the only thing he wants mm-hmm. is her soul, you yeah. know? And well, so it's the only thing he, he wants says, that's yeah, kind of significant, though. It, yeah, I know. That's all I want, just your soul. <laughs> so, but so that everything he says then is trying to lead her down that sort of a path. There's no, you know, he's. That that's he has a pure motive as impure as it is, and I think that's what makes this this villain so convincing and so good because you can actually look inside someone's head and see what the inner t- conflict looks like because mm-hmm. all of us have that same inner conflict in our head, but we usually don't pay much attention to it. And on top of that, what an excellent way to represent a story here. You have Olivia who's beginning to doubt. And we had last episode, the start of all that. We actually saw the events play out, which was great. And now we've got an episode that really shouldn't be significant. There's not anything that happens in this episode. And yet it's fire. It's amazing. Why is that? Because you have excellent characterization of Olivia in her own head with this philosopher in a way that doesn't make it so that she's just talking to herself or that she's just going through her day and we're just picking up on like little subtle cues on what she's doing. No, we actually get to hear that monologue in a way that completely makes sense to an in an audio drama perspective eventually. This this episode is magnificent as an audio drama episode just with the sound design of whenever he shows up, just the ambiance, the music behind it, his panning left and right in headphones if you're listening that way, the effects on his voice and there are more effects on his voice later in the series that are amazing, but all of that plays into so so good audio drama just in uh, both in the characterization of who he is and in the execution of what the audience hears it's a masterpiece just that in itself and i love this episode for it so much and also he's really funny <laughs> he's he's got a lot oh of my yes <laughs> perhaps you are in need of bigger imagination and i am in need of spoon excuse <laughs> why are you intruding again no 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 russians never intrude we invade. <laughs> he's like, you do not know what sheep is. <laughs> <laughs> she, he's like, how many sheep can you get for ten dollars? Sheep? You don't. Is the <gasps> world don't run know out what of sheep? What is the world coming to? <laughs> so and then you have that juxtaposed with he could have used that same power that created mountains and moved that tree a little bit to the left. Then Trevor yeah. Norton would still have a father. That excellently well-written script here by Marshall Younger that can jump back and forth between that and show so clearly how insidious this guy is that he, because he genuinely believes it, even though he's like her imaginary friend at this point, he doesn't care that he's making jokes and then saying very manipulative things and very 
kind of getting her to think about her beliefs kind of things. In fact, that's probably his strategy that by lulling her into a like, false sense of security, like, hey, you can be comfortable around me. I'll make jokes. I'll say this. By the way, your whole world, your whole worldview is going to be turned upside down by this next thing I'm going to say. The, that's incredibly well paced. Just first off in the writing from Marshall, I, I didn't feel any whiplash in this whatsoever i thought it was all very it's like good whiplash like yeah. oh gosh yeah, yeah. what just happened well th- like it was there but it wasn't like ever uncomfortable good, or it was like, like that's not in a written. not in a this was a bad writing kind yeah. of way like the why didn't but, he but move, in a, like, the why didn't yeah. he move that tree line and the triple decker sunday line are incredible for what they do for the the gravity of those lines especially like with the conversation that he has the neat thing is that As I'm listening to it, I would like to kind of contrast this with like the Truth Chronicles a little bit. Please do. Because the Truth Chronicles, the Truth Chronicles was really good for what it did in just kind of saying, hey, kids, here's some ways to approach these arguments that you might find in the world. What I don't think that the Truth Chronicles was great at was giving us atheists who had good arguments. (laughs) I'm thinking of the episode with Nelson and yeah, the, the mar and the marbles. The teacher is it very is. like basically floundering the entire episode and giving the worst arguments anyone could possibly give for why sh- what she believes is actually accurate. And when Nelson comes in with this little gumball analogy or or marble analogy, she's floundering. She's you know, just kind of giving like really bad arguments. Like he's like, "There's gaps in the in the uh, fossil record that will ne- that we haven't found," and she's like, "But we might." Oh, maybe an alien species That's... came and stuff. Right, <laughs> right. And it's like it doesn't feel like it's honestly written. Yeah, from a perspective of someone who understands both arguments, it sounds like it's written from a perspective of a Christian who wants to make it sound like atheists have bad arguments. And the struggle with that is, like, I've seen, I know of YouTube channels with atheists who have really good arguments that are difficult to approach, and those are the ones that I think that if you're going to give arguments to kids and say, hey, here are the arguments you need to be aware of that the world has, those are, like, you you need to make them compelling, as compelling as the Christian arguments and still have an answer. Right. If we just give like straw man arguments to what right. atheists will say, we're doing kids a disservice. We're making them worse than we did in the first place because now not only have we given them just, a, we've mischaracterized atheists, we've given them bad arguments to argue back. And that gives the other side an advantage where they have actually good arguments that they'll say. And then the kids will be like, oh, wait, my marble illustration won't work against you. Um, and I get it. We have right. to be uh, age appropriate for kids, and they're not going to understand a, a philosophical, you know, a doctoral level thesis. Thank God we don't have to go into that. <laughs> but you know, don't say the word the, thesis. The thesis. <laughs> I'm in college right now. <laughs> Are you okay, Michael? No. <laughs> I, I'm really glad that here Odyssey doesn't cut the corners and they don't make it easy. Um, yeah. because they have in the past, I'm thinking back to, oh, what was it? Choices, that one where Lucy has to sit through yet another terrible, uh, slide real, uh, movie in class about, I don't know, frogs evolving or something. And yes, uh, it, it, it sounds, you know, it already sounds dumb, um, <laughs> which, you know, okay. But this, this sounds real and it's, it's believable. And I mm-hmm. think that's why 
I think, at least I've heard, these episodes are kind of controversial sometimes among parents. Some of them didn't like that I was see wet here. Well, well, Um, yeah. Can I springboard off of that real quick? Go for it. I'm going to go two different directions. First is that Marshall, I I remember there was an interview with him. I don't know if we mentioned this last episode, but he said that he'd heard from some parents who, or a parent specifically, who was like, when do the final episodes come out? Like the lost one parts one and two, because my child was never doubting his faith until just recently. And he didn't want these episodes to have that effect. He wanted to equip kids with these arguments, with putting these difficult discussions in there and also putting the parental warning on the front. So like, that's why the warning is there guys. And for someone like me and for whatever, like 10, 12, 13 year olds, however old like your child would need to be to be able to listen to these episodes and not, not immediately doubt their faith. That's why, again, I love this writing because Marshall works in, at the end, with Wilson, you need to know what you believe, why you believe it, prayer, constantly reviewing your testimony, understanding the things that you believe. And even though Leonid presents those doubts, I think this episode has the strongest potential of any of the the Lost One episodes of all six in the series of being able to stir up those doubts because he brings up so many of these compelling questions. And it's hard. It's a hard line to walk. But I think for where we are specifically as critics of the show and recommending it to our kids, I would absolutely recommend this to my kids. If I ever have kids like compared with the team, which was, yeah. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. there's but, no comparison. Uh, an, but another, another way that I wanted to go with this is, I don't know if you guys have heard of the shift. It was a movie that came out recently. It's by heard of the it. same, no. the same studios as the chosen and uh, okay. sound of freedom. And it's really interesting. I love sound of freedom came out earlier this year and then the shift it's a, a christian sci-fi movie it was being hailed as like yeah this is like actually good christian cinema and it's good christian sci-fi and christian movies have been bad for so many years but now they're good it's the worst movie i've ever seen so going from that oh, no. i'm like we need to hold this is why holding media to a higher standard is so important because you have an episode like this that's so well written and well produced in terms of these are th- this is like what good writing entails this is what is needed to present this compelling case to the audience and it's good stuff there's good there might be good things and like bad christian movies at times but the audience is probably not going to be able to receive it well because it's not well written because this is well written it's going to land so much more and that's why this yeah. process that we're going through right now and critiquing this and reviewing it is important because we're showing things can be really good and here's why they're really good here's why it matters because this episode is like more than any other episode i can think in the entire show, except maybe the ones that immediately follow this episode, this episode really cuts to the heart of why does it matter what you believe? Yeah. And it does because this is the actual struggle of a young girl's soul, not just Blaggard trying to imprint himself on her. This is actually a spiritual battle for her. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it really is. I, I wonder, and I'm, I'm not a parent, so I can't you know, sit in a parent's shoes, but for the parents that were angry about this episode wouldn't let their kids were, were you know because their kid was questioning their faith i think the purpose of odyssey has been to be springboards to have conversations with your parents about stuff hmm. um and so my question i guess would be man have we not equipped we as in uh, they because i'm not old enough um uh, to have done this uh but did did they not equip parents or do we as a Christian community not equip parents enough when they were younger to answer these questions that when they're coming up now to their kids, they're like, oh no, what do I say? How do I, how do I help to answer that? Um, and so on, on one hand, like, oh, we didn't do a very good job. But on the other hand, 
now we are like this is this is golden yeah this is the last time i'm going sure. to say this in this whole review series i don't know if i said this last episode if i did sorry it's been a year this series <laughs> is the anti rydell in so many ways and i'll say that and i'll explain it you've had you have the the whole scene with wilson where he's talking about the the pa- the not the pastor the teacher who was oh, the professor who was challenging him and immediately made me think of phil and I was like, well, but the difference is I think Phil actually believes what he was saying. It's just really hard to tell. But here it's shown that like, yeah, that process is a good process. And asking these questions is good. And challenging your beliefs with a solid worldview that these episodes have is very good. And I think Marshall has shown here the full potential of Odyssey as a teaching resource and as a critical thinking resource more so than the previous episodes in that other saga did. And again, it's... People may criticize it, but it's really good stuff. And I think we're proving that here and are discussing it. Well, that said, do you want to talk about Wilson in this episode? Sure. Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, Wilson's got... So I didn't notice this until this just just this listen through for this review. I think there's one line that I might criticize in this episode, and I don't know how. Can I tell you guys what that is? Is it the one I think it is? And I'd have to counter with the idea that you can't define God... By logic, he's beyond logic. That's just a side. That's just a side point in his whole point about this professor was a Christian. He was challenging me to to understand why I believe and like what I believe and why I believe it. You need to understand that too. So it's not even necessary for the episode. But I don't know if I agree with him. I don't either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Does does that line up with Wilson's character that he would say that? I think it does. I'm just not sure if the episode yes. is saying that. Yeah. I disagree with a lot of things that Wilson says. So. Yeah. he's So Wilson goes through at, at the beginning. He's I'm continually questioning why he got that message in the first place, because the only thing he does is tell Zoe, you need to pray and continue to support what you believe. And also, mm-hmm. hey, Olivia, you were already going to give your testimony. I'm still going to have you do that. I haven't changed my course of action. I don't think Wilson in getting that message was because this is the last we hear of the one of three will fall. This is it. I don't think he like this is just another nail in the coffin for last episode. I don't think this applies to this one. I really don't think that it's like well supported to say that message was from God because it doesn't lead to any action, if that makes sense. Sure. It's my opinion, and I think I've said this in past reviews, that if you're going to have... You said it on Return to Gilead. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll say it here. If you're going to have an episode of any, you know, any media where a Christian gets a message from God that's vague and they don't know what it means, and then later they figure out what it means, and it's, oh, it's foreshadowing, it can't just be foreshadowing. Because if you are going to say that in your piece, God said a thing... You have to be aware of how God has said things in the past. And typically, when God gives someone a prophecy, it's either so that in the future it can be proven that what he said was going to come to pass was going to come to pass. And usually that's like something like Babylon attacking you. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Usually mm -hmm. it's like, like, hey, I'm going to punish you just so you know in the future when you get punished, it's me just so you know. That's that's the point of that. Well, and I was going to say or a message it, from the Lord, which is actually a great <laughs> a example message, right. because that spurred Nineveh on to change and God relented right. on the punishment he said right. he would give or, unless they repented. Right. Or, exactly. Or it's like, hey, I'm going to not do that if you do the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, it, or like another example would be foreshadowing or like not foreshadowing, like prophecy about the Messiah coming or about the end of right. times. Basically, yeah. big things that God's like, I'm going to do this, 
and that's going to happen. And when it happens, you'll know it's me. Yeah. Treating prophecy like this in this episode, where the point of the prophecy was just to let Wilson Knox know that something was going to happen so it could be ineffectual, is really weak. Makes me just like, think it was for the audience. It really feels it, like, like that. Yeah. I'm having a hard time it, substantiating it's like, it. Yeah, it's hard to substantiate it or like even give a reason to why this prophecy would be given to Wilson Knox other than for plot convenience so that he he can have something to focus on. Well, because yeah. he squanders it. There's no yeah. evidence that he's talked to Olivia's parents. He doesn't reach out in the first place to to Zoe. It's only when Zoe comes to him with her questions. So you could remove the plot. This is why I don't criticize this episode for it. It, I, it right. really feels like a Phil was writing his episode. Marshall was like, hey, you want to coordinate? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. One of three will fall. And then it's like, well, what do I do with this? Uh, I guess I'll change it so that Wilson doesn't hear from Zoe about it. He actually knew about it. I, I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know exactly. But you yeah, can remove but, it entirely yeah. from this episode and have the episode play out exactly the same way, mm-hmm. which is not exactly. the mark of a great story, unfortunately, for that particular point. But fortunately, we're not focusing on that. I think my thing with, with Wilson is... And, and I have to be careful because, okay, I'm also a pastor. Now I'm actually back pastoring again, um, finished the yeah. master's. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm, you know, working in through my own stuff and being effective. Sure. Right. But as I look at Wilson, I'm trying to remember the storyline. I think this is the first church he's ever pastored. He told Connie that on the bus right over. Um, he's been kind of a missionary kind of around the world before this. But so I get that he's new to the idea of pastoring. Um, and so he has his own like flaws and stuff. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, is this a writing thing or is this actually a character thing where Wilson's going to grow as a pastor in the future as a pastor? Personally, I kind of hope it's the latter, but this is a kid's show also. So that might not be the case. Um, but to have somebody who's a spiritual leader, learn and grow and figure things out as he goes along as he matures would be kind of cool um but that's if we get man, an arc for really Phil would... character i don't know that that's gonna happen oh i yeah i don't have high hopes for that to happen the the main reason uh this is a slight theory that i have but um my my, my theory is that wilson knox is being introduced as a way to possibly um preempt um a, a possible phase out or like a, a break from wit <laughs> Because <laughs> so so like I don't I don't love I'm that sorry. theory. No, but, it's really um, funny. Continue. So okay, my theory is that so I'm sorry. right. Yo, what? You, can, you continue. There's just something really funny based on that. Continue. Okay. Well, okay. so the thing is, I'll tell you. I'm having like a really weird brain moment. What's the name of the actor for Wit? Uh, Andre Stoika. Thank you, Andre Stoika. Okay, Attica Schaefer. Um. Right. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew Stoika is older, I think, at this point than Paul Harlinger or Hal Smith were when they really? passed away from those mm. roles. And Wilson Knox was introduced around the time that Andrew Stoika got up to the, about that age. And since then, they've had several episodes where things that wit previously would have done like hosting a radio show on kids radio or something where he talks about a certain uh moral idea 
they've started doing that sort of thing with Wilson Knox instead. Knox on. So we have like the Knox on love <laughs> episodes, stuff like that. Oh no. And and so I'm just noticing a trend where places where we would have had wit handling something as the hey guys, I'm the moral uh teacher here, they do Wilson Knox instead. And as as far as how they've set up Wilson in episodes, it's I don't think they've had an episode except maybe in the one, maybe partially the one in the series of snow episodes where he's fighting with Wit. Yeah. What what what, what the lodge or whatever it was they were at. Uh-huh. They were they were just kind of having like a childish fight or something. An interesting. Episode, Beyond yeah. that, it's very rare that there's an episode where he is the focus point of a lesson, in that he's learning a lesson right it's usually that he he's the spiritual presence guiding someone on a lesson and he comes across to me as very like hey i'm here and i know what the bible says and the but bible also, says this but also i'm gonna be kind of yelling at olivia at the end of the episode when she's lashing out against her Oof. friend not leading to any effect there which i think is clearly right. an indictment on his character which is fine yeah. for this story. The reason I was cackling earlier is because you were saying, I think Wilson is supposed to be sort of a replacement for Wit. What do we see in this arc? We see Wilson disappear and Wit steps in. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay, yes, that True. is funny. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it's like you tried. I get it now. <laughs> but like, right. I, yeah. I think that's I, also just a testament to how Wit handles the scenario. He's like, Olivia, I'm not here to press you on anything. I'm not here. We'll get there to that episode. But to contrast to this one, Wilson is very much Zoe's here. She's for you. She like she's your friend, and then we you have Olivia's blow up at the end. And I'm like, wow, wow, you had so much time to figure out what to do. It all came to that climax. That was your climax. You're as a character climax for this series. You have a single one or two cameo lines later in the series. That was it, and that's what you did with it. Wow, I can see right. why Olivia feels like the people around her don't support her. Yeah, it's it's really not great. And like I my I had a little note on that that the the ending fight it it blows up out of proportion very quickly and Wilson's fault. It, Wilson's fault a little bit. Yeah. But it, mm-hmm. like really he's not trying to yell at Olivia. He's trying to be heard over the din of two people yeah. kind of yelling at each other. I get you. Right. And so right. Should have said hold it. That would have worked. Michael will understand what I mean by this. Uh, I don't remember if we've talked about this on the Scoopcast before, but it feels very much like a misunderstanding conflict Go-Burr! at the end. <laughs> Gober. Uh. Yeah. Uh, that's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> See, the Scoopcast, uh, again, the last recorded episode was February 2022. We didn't even start Gilead. We weren't even talking about Gilead back then. That's so, true. Yeah. Uh, so on Gilead, uh, on the Return to Gilead podcast, we've talked at length about the issues with conflicts that are built off of characters just misunderstanding each other like character mm. overhears half of a conversation and assumes the person was talking about them when they weren't or and something then the whole episode is based and on then, that conflict and, then, and at the end they're like no yeah, I wasn't and, then, talking about and that. then gets mad and then that's what spawns the conflict here at the end olivia gets mad because she thinks that zoe told but zoe didn't tell zoe sort of started to and was like kind of trying to do it in a roundabout way and wilson knox just like straight up knew and so they started talking about it and so it's not as though zoe actually broke any confidence and yet olivia is upset about it and zoe's trying to tell olivia that and so is wilson and olivia's freaking out and not listening to any of it and so that this ending conflict 
that's the one thing that I listened to in this episode, like other than some of the things Wilson said earlier that I listened to. And I was just like, okay, I understand that this is the way that it could end up happening, but it's not as compelling to me as if characters were actually communicating and understanding each other and still ended up at odds somehow. Like we could have it, like, I don't know, even just, just, well, here, hear me out. Wilson Knox doesn't have this one of three will fall premonition. He's just doing his thing. And when Zoe goes and tells him, she just actually breaks confidence because she thinks she cares so much for Olivia that she decides that it's okay. She justifies it in that matter. Yeah, that would be compelling. That would be compelling. Mm -hmm. She would like she would be possibly like trying to figure out how to reconcile that because she's saying the same thing to Olivia like, hey, you should you don't lie just based on principle. And then she would have to break confidence based on. She would be justifying going against her word, too, wouldn't she? Like, she would be kind of diametrically opposed to Olivia. Olivia's breaking it because she wants to have the space to work this out on her own. And Zoe thinks that she's she's justified at breaking something because she thinks Olivia shouldn't have to do it alone. Both of them are a bit morally (laughs) ambiguous. Both of them are a bit morally ambiguous if they do that, but it still makes for what I would argue a more compelling conflict at the end, because yeah. we're actually dealing with what characters have done, not what they think they've done. Yeah. Like as a person who has friends who have gone through that like thing of, Oh, this person told me not to say this, but I need to mm-hmm. say it anyway. That's uh, that's an, again, it's an incredibly compelling conflict that would have been great to explore. I might push back a little bit and say sure. that our POV is supposed to be Zoe for that scene. And Zoe has a couple poignant lines, maybe one or two, when Olivia shows up. And Olivia's blowing up. Wilson's kind kind of trying to calm things down. And Olivia says, Zoe cares you about promised. you. We were talking because it she's concerned. It barely took you a day to black. You're scaring me. Zoe's your so it's supposed yeah. to be a shock to Zoe on... I didn't want things to get to this point. This is really scary that my friend is acting this way. And it is getting to this point. So I can see the scene being effective either way, but at least for what it is, I think it did a good job. I think the number of things we brought up would sway my rating a little bit on this episode, and that's totally fine. But I still think as far as episodes go, this is the best of all time until we get to a couple episodes in the future. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really good. Can I close with a, a scene breakdown for you guys? which I thought was really, really cool. Okay, go for it. So you've got the scene after Zoe says to Wilson that Olivia's not feeling up to this, which is accurate. Olivia wasn't feeling up to it. She was going to fake it. And she steps in to give her testimony. And you've got the scene after that, which is Wilson is saying goodbye to Zoe and Zoe exits. Then Olivia shows up. I listened from the back and you did great. (sighs) Thanks. Well, thank you for covering for me. Which shows first off that Olivia still is herself. She's not any less of her own personality just because she's dealing with this. She's just got a lot on her plate right now, but she still recognizes she's Zoe's friend. Then we go to Zoe asking, like, what did you do? How'd you tell Pastor Knox that you weren't okay? I just told him that I didn't feel well, and then I ran off to the bathroom like I was about to throw up. So you lied. And that's the first thing that an episode that was worse written would just take that and be like, see, Olivia lied. She she's not doing great right now and just leave it at that. But Zoe goes a step further and says, you lied to Pastor Knox. Do you feel bad about that? I 
told you I, I needed to do it. But do you feel bad? It was an instinct. I... So... No. The answer is no. It's more than just the fact that she lied. Like, mm-hmm. let's say Olivia lied and then said to Zoe, Yeah, I feel really bad about that, but I didn't know what else to do. That would be a cry for help in a way. To show that she's willing to reach out for help and she's willing to acknowledge that she doesn't have all the answers. But this shows not exactly, I don't know if it's a matter of pride or whatnot, but she's pushing aside anyone who could help her to figure out things on her own, which we've established through her inner, her inner monologue and a couple lines earlier where she's, well, when she's talking with Zoe, when Zoe makes the promise, when Olivia says, like, I want to work out this on my own. I don't have an answer for you, but I don't want to go to Mr. Whitaker or Mr. Knox. And that's where Zoe's suspicions start. But for Zoe to, to see that she doesn't have remorse for it means that there's something wrong. There's more than it's more than just stress that's on her. It's more than just the fact that she lied. It's that she doesn't have remorse. And that really cuts to the heart issue here, that it's not just the actions we take on a day to day, even in Olivia's case, when she's at the point of questioning our faith. But for us, when we're, we're not questioning our faith and we're just going about our actions, why do we do the things we do? What do we believe and why do we believe it? What are the implications of the things that we believe? Because Zoe's right, sinning and doing actions that are against what we believe to be right should, there should be a check in our spirit for that. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole, that's a whole discussion to have. Like, should those actions take place? But again, why I think this saga is so great than other sagas that we've talked about is because it talks about that heart issue that like, yeah, if you make that action, if you make that choice, there should be a serious discussion to follow that. Like, are you, are you doing that out of a place of fear, out of a place of faith, even if it's misguided? But then that whole thing is followed up in this episode by Olivia just being silent and then saying, I got to go. I need to, I, I can't talk right now. And that is yet another example of she's not willing to go through that thought process, partly because I think she knows that Zoe's right, but she doesn't know how to prove it because her whole world is crumbling around her. Mm-hmm. Just, I think that's just a great example of how deep this writing can go on a line by line basis. That's why I love this episode so much. Yes. Yeah, and and just the characters are talking to each other in a way that doesn't feel like it's just to advance the plot. Like every everything that a character says is perfectly in line with what I would expect them to be thinking, given the world around them. So. As I listen to Zoe, I hear the lines and I think, yeah, that might be how I would approach the conversation. And as I hear Olivia, I hear the lines and I think, yeah, that might be how I respond to the situation. It feels this real. Is- it feels like actual humans talking and saying things to each other, which, you know, it, it it's very contrasted from what I'll call the quirky Olivia episodes. These are actually real world conflicts here. Like these are matters of the heart that we're dealing with compared to other episodes where I would say it's more things that characters are dealing with in service to a funny idea for comic relief we came up with. Like it feels like Mm -hmm. those episodes are centered around, hey, what if we had an episode where Camilla enslaves Olivia Rather than, <laughs> hey, what if we had an episode where we explore this heart issue? Yeah. I can't really see, I'll be honest, I can't really see any other writer writing this episode. I think Marshall was perfect for like the it, perspective agreed. he brought to the table here. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Marshall Younger's writing right now. Him and Abigail Geiger are like the two top writers in my head right now. The characters here, Olivia and Zoe, are not only acting like real humans, trying to work through a conflict. 
they're acting like real kids. And sometimes, yeah, yeah. I guess it's it either has been the fact that I haven't been as hanging, I haven't been hanging around kids as much, or just that I feel like sometimes the kids in Odyssey don't actually act like kids. Um, it's probably the the former. Uh, it's probably, but recently I've been. We have a school at the church that I'm working at now, and I've been there quite a bit, and so I get to hear kids and their conversations and what they're thinking about and how they react. And as I listened, as I re-listened to this episode, I was like, oh my, these Olivia and Zoe are actually having normal kid conversations. It's normal kid logic, which I think is the genius of this uh, this whole episode saga, is that yeah. Olivia isn't an adult in a child's body trying to work through a dilemma. She's a kid working with real kid issues, real kid emotions, and all this is happening, but it's totally 12-year-old logic. I think that's really it's the mark of a good writer who, you know, is totally not a 12-year-old girl, but he can get into the head of a 12-year-old girl <laughs> and write an episode that is so believable um, like this. And so that's, I mean, that, that's why I'm like, I, I say I'm impressed with Marshall Younger's writing is because he can do something yeah. so complex and so uh, really theological as this saga is, but also do it from the perspective of a 12-year-old girl. And that's... Yeah. It's genius, and I, I really think that this is going to have an impact on on kids yes. for decades to come. You know, mm-hmm. I think this saga is going to go down as the best in the history of the show. It's going to be really, really hard to top this, and we're only is two it? episodes in. <laughs> We've got four more episodes of this thing. This is a masterpiece. Absolutely agreed. Alrighty, shall we give our ratings for this episode? I'm ready. Who wants to go? Yeah, how about you go first, Timmy? I'll go first. I uh, I'm giving this a nine out of ten soap bubbles. Yay! I'm gonna give it nine point five out of ten Ooh. pizza slices. Are you allowed to do that? I am one of the hosts. I make the rules. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> the senior most host. I have seniority here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to retcon the last episode. Um, I think last last time I gave it, I I said obviously a ten. I think I'm going to have to give that one a nine uh, just based on the discussions we've had about the one of three will fall and just where all that factors in. So if, if I can edit that one to a nine, um, this episode also gets a nine decks of an ice cream sundae out of 10. I'll actually justify my rating. It's 9.5 pizza slices out of 10 because I ate one of the (laughs) slices halfway down. (laughs) It was just so good. I was just hungry guys. Okay. Ah, it's so good to be back on the Scoopcast again. Thank you guys for doing this long review. I know this is way over the normal time for a Scoopcast episode that usually happens, but hey, if you only get this once a year, might as well give you a lot of content. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Timmy. Really appreciate you guys being here for this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess as the wraps would usually go, we're going to talk about the website for the Odyssey Scoop and the Odyssey Scoop cast. If you want to find out more about the Odyssey Scoop, you can go to odysseyscoop.com. And more about the Scoopcast, you can go to odysseyscoopcast.com. And if you're interested in checking us out on Facebook, we are there, so you can follow our page. Yeah. Yay. And if you want to chat about the episode, log on to our message boards, odysseyscoop.com slash forum. Well, guys, hopefully it won't be uh, a year until the next episode is released, because I really want to get through this arc. We'll be covering Set of Watchmen, which is episode 926 of Adventures in Odyssey, next time on the Scoopcast. So, until then, I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. And I'm Timmy. And in the meantime, remember, never be without the Odyssey Scoop.
in old Odyssey scoop fashion, as uh, an homage to the Garrett Vandenberg days, I'm going to count down from three. It's going to go three, two, oh one, gosh. clap. And we're all going to clap on that. If this is the most efficient way to sync up audio. Ready? Three, two, one. Two, one, clap. Ryan, your delay I was I didn't horrible. actually clap it. I didn't even clap into the microphone. That's really cool. <laughs>